Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, guys. Welcome back to The Treatment Room. I'm your host, Tessa Zolli. I'm so excited for a little solo one-on-one chat today. I love my guests, but I also love just having a little heart-to-heart, you and me, answering your questions in a casual format. I don't know everything, but I will advise to the best of my ability. And I just love hearing what's on your guys' mind. You have some really good questions. And it always helps me so much when you do submit questions or video ideas or podcast ideas. So thank you guys so, so much. So helpful. Gives me purpose. Gives me life. So thank you. We will go ahead and hop into these questions. Okay. First one necklines. What can I do? Okay. Necklines have been particularly bothersome to me. And I've noticed them, you know, as I get into my thirties, as we age, collagen does break down and that can result in some loss of skin strength and elasticity. On top of it, we are looking down at our form at our phones more than ever before. And also talking to my derm, it was kind of interesting. She had this observation that if you have somewhat of a thin frame, you can notice that sagging more in your neck just because of of gravity and the way it hangs on your frame. I'm sure my years of running have only added to that. So I totally feel you on the neckline situation. I try to hold my phone up. I try to really focus my treatments on the neck more. And one of the biggest tips I will say is we all have heard to do this, but treating your neck. This wasn't something I started doing until my late 20s, and I wish I started sooner. So I know many of you listening are younger. Start treating your neck now. Start not only bringing your treatments down to your neck, but if you're having chemical peels done, if you're having massage done, things that stimulate those fibroblasts and that collagen, make sure your neck is included. I bring my vitamin C to my neck. I put my retinol on my neck, though I do advise to tread lightly with the retinol on your neck because it can be an area that's more sensitive. So you may not put it on your neck as frequently as your face, but just make sure you're treating it. You're stimulating that collagen. Absolutely put your sunscreen there. And a tip I have is to put your sunscreen on before you get dressed. That way, when your neckline on your top is moving around, you know, as you're walking or just going about your day, you don't get that incidental sun exposure, which I did not think it was a big deal. And I do have pigmentation. I do have just obvious advanced signs of aging on my neck and my chest. 
And that would have been much easier to prevent with SPF rather than to treat. But I am going to talk a little bit about some possible treatments. Those are things that I consider to be preventative and just daily things. But there are other ways you can treat your neck and neck lines. Some of them being, I know some of you may not want to hear this because it's not, it's not the easiest option. Doesn't make sense for everybody, but filler and Botox in the area can help. I feel Botox in the neck can be underrated. And I actually wish I started that a little bit sooner because my lines are quite deep. And if I wanted to fill them in now completely, I would need filler, which I'm not quite ready to do filler in my face or on my neck, but I am a Botox girl and it doesn't have to be for you, but it's something I started in my late 20s and I love how it has preserved my skin and just softened the appearance of fine lines and I'm getting less movement in those areas. So I enjoy my Botox. I get a little bit of Botox now in my neck and it definitely a It definitely softens the appearance of the fine lines, but I would not expect Botox to treat deep set wrinkles. That's not what Botox is intended for. It is more preventative and it can soften the lines, but to truly fill them in, you may need filler, something such as a hyaluronic filler. I would talk to your derm about it. There are also other treatments you can do for neck tightening, such as Ulthera. That's something I haven't done myself, but my doctor has mentioned it. I have seen nurses who have done it before and the results look pretty incredible. The neck looks very youthful with that type of treatment. I know it is pricey and it's more of an investment. So that would be something to talk to your derm about if you wanted to lift the neck, the chin, and the brow and improve fine lines and wrinkles. There is also the option for thread lifts, which is pretty interesting. And that's not necessarily for fine lines, but it can tighten the area and tighten the neck. So those would be a few options depending on what you're willing to invest and what you want to do. But something I think everybody should start doing is treating the neck, especially with vitamin C, making sure you're protecting. Protect your neck. Protect it with sunscreen. Wear a scarf if you can or cover the neck while you're driving, walking. Those everyday activities really can add up to more damage. So I would think about that and just being cautious of looking down often. And if you can sleep on your back, (laughs) I haven't mastered that, but it really is one of the better options for preventing those lines from forming while we sleep. Okay, moving on. Ooh, this is a good one. Details on MLM or multi-level marketing. Okay, I have thoughts. I actually had Julie Williams, better known as Crown Jewel Aesthetics, on Instagram. I had her on the podcast, and we touched on the topic of celeb skincare and MLMs. So that's a pretty interesting episode. I really resonated with a lot of Julie's thoughts on MLMs and how, I hate to say it, but it is undermining our industry because we have 
a community of professionals who have worked really hard to get their education and to advance their education, who invested in their education. So I think there definitely are situations where I don't feel it's right to step on estheticians' toes and offer things like consults or using lines that are created for sort of all use to quote unquote, treat specific conditions. So I have quite a few issues with MLMs. As much as I support my girls, I support females, I support, I can't knock the hustle. But as far as ethical business, it's not something I support. And I I am anti-MLM because it promotes a really poor business model and it promotes poor ethics in business. One of my big problems with MLMs is that it involves so much overselling. These companies kind of set themselves up for failure when they are focused on just pushing out as much product as possible. And there's not even that much demand for the product. When you have to seek people out on social media, to me, it's just a modern day version of a door to door salesman, you are, to me, it comes across like you are desperately seeking out business rather than just creating a phenomenal product. And when you do that, people will come to you when you educate, when you give value without expecting a sale. I think you naturally attract business. So it's not a model that I love. And unfortunately, I see because there is some crossover in our industry and I get messages from girls who have had the experience of working for MLMs. It's really sad to me to see them preyed upon. Oftentimes, these are college students, young women with loans and responsibilities. And I see them get sucked into these systems because they love skincare. And the idea of working for yourself is really appealing. I get it. But they don't have the professional training or education to be advising on skincare They are just promoting what a company tells them. If I were that age, and I mean, thank God I never did get sucked into that, but you're just, I mean, I feel like I was impressionable at that age. And if you're in a company, you're going to follow the company culture and the rules and do what your higher ups tell you to do. I also think it's wrong that people have to invest their own money in order to work for a company doesn't make sense to me. So there's that. Just ethically, business-wise, I don't think it's fair. I, I hear a lot of sad stories from women who lose money going into these businesses. So for me, in terms of supporting women, I I, I want to be outspoken about not supporting MLMs and advising, especially my young girls, to avoid them because unfortunately, they're not a respected ethical business model and having that on your resume, I think promotes distrust in another company looking at you and looking at your resume. They're they're just not an industry that is well-respected. So I know it sounds harsh, but I would advise against working for a company like that or putting it on your resume. Even if you have worked for a company like that, I would simply just skip it on your resume because of the bad connotation it brings and because people are just so 
mistrusting of MLMs and pyramid schemes, not to mention all the class action lawsuits. That's a whole another story in terms of the controversial ingredients. If you are going to mark up a product that much, it better have some amazing third-party clinical trials, really solid solid ingredient deck, no questionable fragrance. Um, I really just think it is a waste of money. And yeah, so I am anti-MLM. Sorry about it. Um, Okay, benefits of medical peels. Okay, I think this person means something, yeah, something in office that would be administered by a doctor such as a TCA peel. I don't think everybody needs a super in-depth peel, but of course, we know skin is so personal. It depends on the concern. It depends on the skin. It depends on the condition. If you're having a ton of active breakouts, it's probably not the best, but if those have subsided and you have acne trauma that you want to treat, I would suggest talking to somebody who administers the peel, talk to a dermatologist about whether it is right for you. It really depends on the concern we are trying to treat. If we're talking about deeper acne scarring, for example, something such as a TCA peel could be great, but there are also other methods of treatment. So I would talk to your derm about that. And again, I don't think everyone needs a super deep peel. And sometimes I think you can get really amazing benefits from more mild peels that may not even cause you to peel. The most important thing to me, I feel like I need to say, is that the prep for these peels is so important. The times I don't see medical peels go right is when there wasn't that level of prep. You simply cannot go from using drugstore products, using over-the-counter things to a TCA peel off the bat. And I hope there's no doctor who would allow you to do that because the skin needs to acclimate. It needs a step-up approach. It needs to be strengthened. Otherwise, you just simply won't achieve the desired result you'll be unhappy and you must, must, must be wearing sunscreen and you must stay out of the sun. So if you're listening to this and it's summertime, I probably wouldn't recommend an intense peel. Wait for peel season. Do it when you're not getting so much sun exposure and heat because there are a million ways for a peel to go wrong. And it doesn't always pay off. So it really is a matter of the prep. If you've never had peels before, why not start out with some peels that you could get from your esthetician, um, a lactic peel, even an enzyme peel for some, salicylic peel if you need a deeper treatment, glycolic could be great if you want to focus on anti-aging concerns. So it really depends on the person and If you're on the fence and not sure if it's right for you, I think it's always a better idea to quote unquote under treat because that might even be more of the adequate treatment for you. And I've seen TikToks lately while we're on the subject of people peeling off their 
they're shedding skin, which is unfortunate because that skin underneath is not prepared. It's not ready. And you are promoting hyperpigmentation by creating more injury in the skin, which is ironically what we're trying to treat with chemical peels. So it all depends on the person and the skin. Skincare is so personal. Sometimes I struggle with, you know, giving advice on social media because I'm this, I'll have somebody asking, you know, do you think a chemical peel is right for me? I have acne scarring. What do you suggest? And I'm like, I can't see your skin. I wish I could. So it really, really depends. Go see a licensed professional or a dermatologist is the best bet. The next question is tretinoin. All the facts, please. I don't want to do Accutane, but I'm thinking about it. Oh, okay. So I'm not a doctor or a dermatologist or a nurse. I'm not going to speak from the perspective of somebody who is prescribing or telling you if tretinoin is right for you. I will speak from my working knowledge, having worked in a medical spa and having been somebody who used and still uses tretinoin, I have seen tretinoin produce fantastic results for the right people. It can regulate skin cell turnover. It can regulate oil production. It can produce collagen. So it can be beneficial for acne prone skin types. It can be beneficial for anti-aging purposes. It can produce new collagen. If you are dealing with some pitting or acne scarring, it can lighten hyperpigmentation. So I really have seen it be beneficial for the right person. And also it's important to make sure you're using it in the right way for you. Some doctors I have noticed recommend just diving into it, using it every night. Personally, I don't see that as the most effective way. Who am I to say? I'm not a doctor. But it, to me, it's not sustainable if somebody immediately compromises their barrier and then they're not able to use the product because they have so much stinging. So from my perspective, I think easing into it is the best way to go. Some derms will recommend the sandwich method, which is applying moisturizer, your tretinoin, and then moisturizer over top, or just applying tretinoin as the last step in your nighttime routine over moisturizer to buffer it a little bit. It's still going to penetrate just as effectively, but you do have that, you know, barrier of the moisturizer. So it's really important to make sure you're still hydrating your skin and you're easing into it. So that's, in my opinion, the best way to use it. I think it's worth talking to your doctor about and deciding between the two of you if it's right for you. I have had clients come to me and say, their doctors have recommended Accutane before even trying tretinoin. Happens all the time. And to me, that is a little bit shocking. And I, who am I to say again? But I think trying tretinoin is significantly less harmful than going straight into Accutane, which we know can have many side effects. So I have an unpopular opinion about tretinoin, but I think it can be beneficial for the right person. And that's all I'll say. I'll leave it between you and your doctor. Okay, I had a question asking about the holistic side of 
being an esthetician. Okay. And I thought this was really, really interesting because I just stumbled upon something in Dermascope magazine, which I have right here. And it was an ad from the Association of Holistic Skin Care Practitioners. So I know they're having a conference, which this podcast is going to be out after it happens. So I know that's not too helpful, but I do think it would be worth going to their website. They also have a phone number I will put in the show notes. I think it's great to learn from an accredited association, especially something that is featured in Dermascope magazine. They say that they cover topics including clinical holistic acne protocols, adult and teenage acne, intuitive aesthetics, physiology of the skin, nutrition to reduce acne, the anti-inflammatory diet, ways to balance your microbiome, Lots of pretty incredible things. So again, this is the Association of Holistic Skincare Practitioners. At the very least, we can check out their website and learn more. I am excited about looking into this and just learning more. I have taken a few classes with Michelle Phelan at Concepts Institute. Michelle has obviously an aesthetics background. She also has a nutrition background. So it could be worth looking into classes with her at Concepts Institute. Maybe I'll have her on the podcast to discuss more about nutrition and acne and the holistic side of being an SD because I think all of that is great information for anybody who is interested in learning more about how the body as a whole affects the skin. So that's what I have to say on that. Okay, I get more questions about this than anything. Someone said, would love a tutorial on the best ways to clean makeup and clean makeup brushes and general makeup tips. Very interesting. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know I'm very passionate about my mineral makeup. Why am I passionate about it? I think we should be able to wear makeup and enjoy it if we love it or it makes us feel more confident in our skin. I am a believer in investing in your skin first before makeup, but that's a whole other conversation. I still think we can totally wear makeup and actually have it be a benefit to the skin. So I'm not an esthetician who's anti-makeup. I think there's definitely makeup that is acne safe and skin safe. And that tends to be mineral makeup because it is non-clogging and it's very healing and protective for the skin. Most mineral makeups have some form of SPF as well. So I love that. Anytime we're getting sun protection and protection from free radical damage and pollutants, I'm all for that. And if it gives you confidence to wear that makeup and it's benefiting the skin, or preventing it from that kind of oxidative stress. I am all for it. So I have a few mineral makeup favorites. I also get this question all the time. What's your favorite mineral makeup brands? And they would be Oxygenetics for foundation. I'm absolutely obsessed. I've been obsessed with them for about a year and a half. I think I discovered them on TikTok actually. 
And somebody randomly recommended Oxygenetics because it's Kourtney Kardashian's, uh, one of her favorites or something she wears. But then I looked into it more and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually like a medical makeup. Like it's used post-treatment. It's used in dermatology offices. It's recommended for post-care. And the more I looked into it, the more I was fascinated by Oxygenetics ingredient deck. They have aloe as the very first ingredient, which is unheard of in skincare, let alone makeup. So I'm blown away by that. I love that it has SPF in it. And they actually have formulas that are collagen building and that are pro-oxygen. So they introduce oxygen to the skin, which can be beneficial for acne prone skins because we know when oxygen is present, that bacteria cannot thrive. So oxygenetics to me is like a miracle potion. I think it's so cool that that exists. So my acne prone clients who want some coverage don't have to suffer and you know, keep piling makeup that's harmful to their skin on top. So that foundation's a little pricey. The bottle's a little small. I think I think it's around sixty. I think it's around sixty dollars, which I understand is pricey, but it's so worth it, especially if you have acne. Because think of the money you would invest in treatments to treat your acne or for facials if you're wearing makeup a lot. So highly recommend Oxygenetics. We actually, I just did an ad for them, which was such a cool moment for me to have a brand I'm so passionate about reach out to me. And that just happened because I was naturally talking about them, posting about them, and they happened to see my YouTube video. So that's a little sneaky tip for any of you who are interested in working with brands on a professional level tag the brand, make content featuring the brand, follow them on their social media platforms. That way you'll have more visibility to them and they will see you as somebody who's already creating authentic content. So it's a natural partnership. Okay. That was one brand I love, Oxygenetics. I also love Jane Iredale. She was one of the first mineral makeups I discovered because we had them in a spa I worked at. My dermatologist also offers Jane Iredale. I just think she creates beautiful makeup. I actually used to wear Jane Iredale in high school because my best friend recommended it to me and I didn't know what I was using at the time. But yeah, just really beautiful formulas. I love her little highlighter. It's like a highlighter blush stick that's so pretty. Her tinted moisturizers, I think, are nice. They're a little bit more full coverage, if that's what you like. And I love her setting spray. There's really nothing I've ever tried from her that I don't love. She does have a foundation. It's a serum foundation that I will say the coverage is surprisingly light. It's more like a skin tint. So it just depends what you're looking for. If you want heavier coverage, I would go for her Glow Time. BB cream and you only need like a little thimble. You don't need much. What else? Bare minerals, obviously a classic. And I think when I was in high school and when a lot of you listening were younger, you thought of bare minerals as that powder foundation that, you know, it was like you opened the top, it got everywhere, it went all over your counter. (laughs) You brought it to the school dance and just made a mess in your purse. 
But I think they've come a long way since then. And I still like that powder. I still like it. You just got to be careful. But I think it's really beautiful. And they also now have liquid formulas because I think a lot of people look for liquid, especially if you have a dry skin type. They have beautiful liquid formulas. They have bronzers, blushes, eyeshadow, lip gloss. So I love Bare Minerals. And the last two I'll mention are Color Science. Color Science, I really like for their powder sunscreen brush, though I will say you need to clean that thing. You need to clean it with a little bit of rubbing alcohol, just the little bristles, because if they're just collecting dead cells and bacteria, you're not doing yourself any favors. But that product's really nice. I also love Color Science for their lip gloss with SPF. And they have their Glow Shield. That is an SPF that has a very kind of opalescent, I think is the word, like a very luminous, glowy finish. It almost looks a little bit shimmery. So I know that's not for everyone, but that one is gorgeous. And what else? Oh, you know I love my skin better compact. That's also mineral makeup. SPF 65, and that is one of my favorite ways to reapply SPF without messing up my makeup. I just use that as my makeup. It is tone adapting. You've probably seen Savannah, the Dallas esthetician, post about it. Buy it from her link if you're listening. Support your Estes. And... I think that's it. Color science. I think that's it, guys. If I forgot something, those are amazing options to start with. Ooh, but the question about how I clean my brushes, I get so often. It would be incredibly boring to give you guys a tutorial on how I clean my makeup brushes, but maybe I'll do it because I've had so many requests. And I really think cleaning your makeup brushes is more important than we realize. I feel like the standard for cleaning makeup brushes is like once a week, twice twice a week is a lot. Like, you know, clean it a couple times a month. Like to me, I know most people are going to be like, what? To me, you should clean them after each time you use them. And I know we're busy, but it really takes takes two minutes. It does not have to be some crazy process. I grab my brushes. I take my face wash. Right now I'm using the Glymed Sal X purifying cleanser because it has bacteria killing properties. I've never had bristles fall out or any problems, but it is a more active cleanser. So hopefully I don't mess up anyone's brushes. I think it should be okay. But I just recommend using your face wash. I like using an acne cleanser that has bacteria cleansing properties. I wash my brushes in warm water, just at my sink like normal. And then I place them on a paper towel and I fold the paper towel so that air can still get in, but that it so that the brushes are a little bit protected by dust and you know dirt particles in the air. You can also put it outside, just folded with the towel over, and I let it dry. And you know, I have multiple brushes, so I don't necessarily need to use it the next day when it might be damp. So I just recommend, you know, washing a few at a time, have some extras on backup, but 
That is just such a key thing to do for the skin because if you think about it, every time you touch your brush to your face, to the product, back to your face, you are introducing new bacteria, new skin cells, and that can just be the recipe for all of that to mix in the follicle and have, you know, and have a recipe for acne. So with my clients, if we're trying to be really really, you know, just having a comprehensive approach to their acne, I do suggest cleaning their makeup brushes super often. So that's how I do it. That's my big secret. (laughs) Okay. Last question I will answer here is somebody said, I'm starting my skincare parentheses self-care journey. Where does one start? Oh my gosh, what a fun question. Okay, if you know me, you can probably tell I love all the self-care things. I am somebody who, I'm a little bit selfish. I don't have kids yet. I don't have too many people I'm really responsible for other than myself, my loved ones, just making sure they feel loved, but I really take care of myself and I notice it just comes back and fuels my business. It fuels what I do. So I really, I know it's not possible for everybody. Some of you are super busy or your moms. I have the luxury of, you know, working for myself, but I, I make sure it's part of my day and self-care to me comes down to literally the things you do to take care of yourself. So going to therapy, making sure you eat enough, you take time for a lunch break, you go on walks, you do things that stimulate your mind and make you feel good. For me, even this podcast and and stuff I do on social media is a form of self-care. But when it comes to starting your skincare journey, okay, I would say start with One, carving out the time for a routine in the morning and at night. It does not have to be this crazy, overwhelming process of buying 12 skincare products. Literally start so small. You want to make sure you're consistent and you're doing your routine in the morning and at night because we only have those two opportunities to improve the skin. So we want to take advantage of them. Start with a simple morning and nighttime routine. And again, you can always add from there. But I think a strong routine always starts with cleansing properly, finding a cleanser that is appropriate for you. I think most people can start with Glymed's Mega Purifying Cleanser. That is a favorite of mine for a first cleanse, a gentle cleanse for all skin types, even acne-prone skin. It's a great one to have if you, you know, needed a third cleanse in your day somewhere, whether you are going to the gym or you're wearing your mask all day and you need a little cleanse in your workday, something like that. I love the mega purifying cleanser. Um, Okay. So from there, I would say identify what your main concern is. Is it oil production? Is it dryness? Is it dehydration? Is it acne? Is it rosacea? Is it dullness? Is it hyperpigmentation? Identify your concern and that will help you use a more targeted approach to treating it. So 
identify what you need and use that second step to treat your concern. So if you're concerned with pigmentation, maybe vitamin C and a tyrosinase inhibitor, something with kojic acid would be wonderful. If you have acne prone skin, maybe that's a step you use for a salicylic cleanser or toner. So I won't speak too specifically because it really depends on the person, but I would use that middle step to treat then just make sure you have an appropriate moisturizer. This is for daytime, by the way. I kind of just <laughs> went on a ramble here, but make sure you have a moisturizer for your skin type. Everybody needs a moisturizer. If you're super oily, maybe you like something a little bit lighter, maybe something that's oil-free or has non-comedogenic ingredients. If you are more on the dry side, maybe you find something that brings moisture back to the skin and is balancing and hydrating for you. And then of course, sunscreen. Literally, if we had to pick two things for your morning routine, I'd say make sure you're cleansing and applying sunscreen. Everything else you do is going to be so pointless if you're not diligent about SPF. And that also includes our reapplication throughout the day especially since it's warmer temps. I know a lot of us are so excited to be out and about and going on trips, going to the beach. So if I had it my way, none of you would tan. I know that's probably not feasible, but it really blows my mind that people still tan. I don't know why, because it really just undoes all of all of our hard work, it's the number one thing you could do to promote aging in your skin, which if you think about it that way, why would you want to do that, let alone puts you at risk for skin cancer, which is the number one important thing. So cleanser and sunscreen, if we have to start from you know, very basic things I want everyone to do. At nighttime, make sure you're cleansing, getting everything off your skin from the day, your pollutants, your makeup, dirt, all of that. Make sure you are cleansing properly, whether that includes a double cleanse for you. And again, I think it goes back to kind of those three things, cleansing, treating, and protecting. So in the daytime, that includes sunscreen. In the nighttime, you might use that treat step to work on things such as turning over those cells with an AHA or a BHA or a retinol. Granted, if she's just getting into skincare, maybe we start with something such as a gentle glycolic serum, something that is mild but stimulating that cell turnover. And you're just gradually, you know, working up to things. So I don't think you have to go in super heavy handed and, you know, do what the person you see next to you doing, do what works for you. And I think it really starts with identifying what do you want to work on? What is your main concern? Everyone has different concerns. So that's what I would start with. And just overall, make sure you are living an overall healthy life, getting enough sleep, reducing your stress where you can doing those activities that fill your cup up and make you feel good. That is so underrated. I think happiness and reducing stress are some of the biggest tips for having good, healthy skin. But I will leave it at that. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
Thank you for submitting your questions. I love everyone. So please, if you have a question or something you would like to hear about in a future episode, please shoot me a little DM. I love hearing from you. And if you are listening right now and you enjoy this podcast, it would mean so much if you left me a little five-star review on iTunes. That is the best way for this community and this show to gain reach and help inform more people. So it really goes a long way for me. So thank you so much for listening, leaving your reviews, sending me your questions. I love you guys so much and I wish you luck wherever you are in your skincare or SD journey. I will talk to you guys in the next episode.